You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Thanks living actually is giving. Praise God. And we're looking at the Jesus culture. Somebody say the Jesus culture. Please say it like you mean it. The Jesus culture. Please say it like you mean it. The Jesus culture. All right. So with regards to the Jesus culture, what we've been looking at is the life that the believer lives after they are born again the culture of the believer after they are born again. There is a life we live after we are born again. Just as we are born into the culture of our various biological parents, so when we are born again, we are born into a certain culture. And it becomes the life we live. Praise God. It becomes the life we live. So the first is what? The word culture. So we are actually defined by the word of God and not by the world. Praise God. So the word defines us, not the world. So we live by the word and not by the world. Okay, so that is very key. Number two, evangelism. The evangelism. So the moment you receive Jesus Christ, you live the life of an evangelist. Actually, Paul told Timothy that make sure you continually do the work of an evangelist. What it means is that, number one, you live a life that is worthy of Christ. At the same time, you also go sh to share the good news to everyone who is not born again. Praise God. And this is the calling. This is the culture of the believer. Now, if you're not living that culture, then you are actually not working the family business because this is the reason you were called. Amen. We have become entertainers rather than doing the work for which you have been called to do. We dress beautifully and then we come sit down. We enjoy what we call the ambience and we are cool and then we go home and then we take some omotu. And then we enjoy ourselves, you know. And then after that, we go to work and then come back again to church. And then it goes on and on. That's not what God called us to do. He called us to be evangelists. Praise God. As a matter of fact, if you are not able to do that, you must be restless in your soul. Restless where? If you are comfortable. Not winning souls. Something is wrong. I'm telling you. Now, these things we are talking about, if you are not living by these things and you are cool, 
I don't think you are born again. Yeah. I don't think you are born again. Now, because this is the life you live. If you are fine, maybe you are not doing it, but you are struggling. Well, it's understandable. But if you're okay and you think you are good, no. 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 If you made an attempt and you felt a bit discouraged, okay, fine. We would encourage you. But if you're okay and you are comfortable, no. No. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. I'll come to some of these things. The next is what? You live by the spirit, not by the popular. You don't just do what anybody says. Everybody is doing it, so I do it. No. No. You live by the spirit. You are led. As many as are led by the spirit of God, they are what? They are the children of God. Praise God. So if you are not led by the spirit of God, and you live by yourself, S-E-L-F, you live just by your natural senses and logic. You're going to be in great danger. Timing. If you are led by the Spirit, you live by divine timing. You do what God said you should do in God's what? Time. So everybody is marrying, so... You feel the pressure to marry. Okay. There are a lot. You can take some. But if it's just taking, you know where taking will take you. Are you here with me? Yeah. So we don't just do things because, yeah. Everybody says it's doing. No. We do them because it's God's what? Timing. timing. Giving. That is the life of God. God is a generous giver. If you have been born again, it means that you have been regenerated into the image of God. Praise God. Is that correct? Yes. And the life of God is to give. That's what God does. God, he doesn't stop giving. As much as he gives both to the unbeliever and the believer. He makes the rain fall on the, on the just and on the unjust. So God does not look at you and look at your face and says, I won't give you. No. He gives everybody. He gives everybody. Some of you think that if an unbeliever, um, because he's an unbeliever, God will not give to them. It's not true. God gives to the unbeliever. He gives to the believer. The reason why the unbeliever can't take certain things that the believer would take is because they are given by the Spirit. And so if the Spirit of God is not in them, they can't have it. Are you getting the point? Uh-huh. Because they can connect. That's why they can get spiritual stuff. 
But as for material stuff, they have been given you already. Are you getting it now? Uh-huh. They have been given you already. So, so far as they connect to this earth, it will wire to them. It will wire to them. Are you here with me? Yeah. It will wire to them. That's why you see unbelievers and they are fully loaded with money. And you envy them because they have money. And you complain, I've served God. Ah, there's no money. You are not connecting the way you have to connect. To the earth. To draw money. That is why money is not coming to you. <laughs> are you here with me? Excellence and then love. So we are on giving. We are the, on the last part of giving. Everybody's the last part. And it's going to be beautiful. The last what? Part. The last part. And I'm particularly blessed by this series because it's been just amazing. It's been just amazing. Have you been blessed by it? Okay. So last week we learned a few things about uh, revelations and also about Abraham. Is that correct? Yeah. Abraham was ready to give everything. Is that correct? Yeah. He says, I don't want the devil to bless me. I want God's blessing. Is that correct? All right. And he says, I'll not negotiate for anything that the devil gives. While the devil was giving goods, Abraham wants the souls. Because <laughs> it's only people who are who are not born again, <laughs> who don't have the mind of God, who value things more than souls. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Because I know what's happening. That's why I'm excited. I wish you can see with me. When a pastor is excited, let me tell you, a pastor is excited because God is excited with the church. Yeah. Nothing excites me. What excites me is to see that God is happy with his church. And God is happy with us. And that's why I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So let's keep doing what we're doing, but let's keep pushing. The soul's agenda is very key for God. Amen. Praise God. Yeah, very, very key for God. Very key for God. Let's bring ourselves into that perspective. Okay. I think by now you should have realized that from Genesis to Revelations, apart from the dispensation of the law, it is quite clear how God, most of the time, didn't ask for a sacrifice, but the people gave freely out of love, honor, and obligation. So for most of the cases we have looked at, the people themselves gave. Why? 
because they know that God has already given so much so that everything they are giving to God is just as a response of God already giving to them. So they don't claim ownership of anything for which God has given them. Is that correct? So they willingly and freely give and they give everything. They are ready to give everything, everything, everything. Even Cain gave without God asking. Is that correct? Only that he didn't give it right. Abel did the same. Abel didn't wait for God to, give, to ask. They gave. Noah, right after the flood. Can you believe when I look at Noah, I'm like, what? How many animals were left? Can you believe that? And he was ready to what? Sacrifice. Hi. It, it tells you the heart. So he didn't wait for God to ask. Even in your time when we ask, It becomes a debate. Some say give 10. Others say don't give the 10. The debate has nothing to do with how much to give. The debate is that most don't want to give. Are you here? Yeah. Abraham. Gave to God without God asking. Gave to Melchizedek. That was the first time. Is that correct? That was the first time. Before God asked for Isaac, don't, that, that kind of thing that is used for giving is not meant for giving. Giving Isaac was meant to typify Christ to come. It was the test of the faith of what? Abraham as the pattern. The father of faith. So it tells you that Abraham was ready to give everything. But God said, no Abraham. This one is just a test of your faith. But I am the real giver. So I'll provide for myself a lamb. And the lamb he's talking about is Jesus Christ. Oh, praise God. That's why John will say, the lamb of God that taketh away the sins. In Revelations, when they sing, they said, the lamb worthy is the lamb that was slain. And he's talking about the lamb was slain from the foundations of what? The earth. So it was typifying Christ, saving humanity. So Isaac, who was figuratively not sacrificed, but was meant to be sacrificed, is Christ resurrecting from the dead. (laughs) 
So if you don't understand Bible, you teach anything. And use everything for another thing that is not meant for. Nobody asked Isaac to give. Nobody asked Jacob to give. Jacob himself said, ah, if you take me and bring me back, I will give this. Is that correct? Yes. So they were willing to give. Why? Because they know that everything they have, God already gave them. So they are only stewards of God's goodness. Stewards of God's grace. They don't have their ownership mentality. These days, that's what we teach a lot in church. Own this, own that. You don't own anything. You are only a caretaker. When the master asks the caretaker to give, they will not debate. Oh, hello? Is that correct? They will not debate. They'll say, I have not paid my children's school fees. I have not. Uh, 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 uh. The caretaker will not debate. Let me give you some information. In the Mosaic law, when God first delivers commandments regarding wealth and giving, the average Israelite in the Old Testament was commanded to give three distinct tithes. Combined amount to roughly 23% of their income. So what we call tithes, we don't even understand. What they only refer to in Malachi that you see is the Le Levitical tithes. But they have the festival tithes. Which is the festival of tabernacles. It's called Sakat. As a matter of fact, this year, the Jews are celebrating it from 2nd October to 9th October. They celebrate for seven days. It's called the Feast of the Boots. Sakat means boots or tabernacle. And all it is, is a typification of the Messianic identity of Christ, which they don't understand. That Christ will come to dwell with humanity. That Christ is the guiding light that led them in the wilderness. Are you getting the point? So God dwelling with them in light. And that Christ is going to come again. So they pay a tenth to host the festival of the tabernacle. So Levit Levitical tithe 10%. Festival tithe, 10%. And then they have the charity tithe. And this is what they give. The charity tithe, they give it every three years. To support foreigners or orphans and widows. That's the poor. Now, apart from these tithe, these are tithe, these are 10%. They have what they call the temple contributions. If they have to maybe get the temple to be good, like the way they were going to build the tabernacle, you, you remember? And they were asked to give towards that. Yes. 
So they give all of that as well. So this one, in the law, in the Mosaic law, God demanded. He, he demanded with sharpness. And it is a typification. The point is, can you pay? No. Oh, are you here with me? Can you pay for Christ's identification with regards to his messianic feature? Can you pay as him, as the, to him as the light? Can you pay for his coming back? So he, he made them try something. And yet they were always finding fault. They couldn't meet the standard. Couldn't meet the standard. So if you are talking about the Old Testament and you want to talk about law and you want to talk about tithing, what it means is that you must be given 23% and then also you add more. Even when Christ had not died and they have not seen the real promise, this is how much they were giving. Now Christ has died for you. You have been ransomed. God now resides in you. You carry God wherever you go. You don't have any limitation to prayer. You have the gift of righteousness. You are called the child of God. Accepted in his beloved. Your sins have been paid for. How much can you pay to equal this? You have an eternal home. Tell me. Tell me how much. So there is nothing that you can give to God that is too big. Nothing. 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 Tell me nothing. Give me the size. Listen to me very carefully. Don't debate about how much you must give God. If your debate has to do with the waste in the house of God, that's different. Did you understand the point? If you have to talk about how the money is used not on kingdom business, but on a wild lifestyle, that's fine. But that has nothing to do with how much you have to give to God. You just want an excuse. If you feel that your pastor is wasting the money on his life, and living a, just a luxurious life, there are many who are also doing it well. You just want an excuse. 
So let's, let's make the facts bare and clear. Does God deserve your all? If he deserves your all, what's the excuse? It has nothing to do with the mistakes of men. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Let me give you an example. If you are a shareholder in a company and the chief executive is wasting the money of the company, when you take your shares, would you invest it in another company? So tell me where the excuse is. So these are hearts that are not ready to give. But they just want an excuse. So they always talk plenty. And these days the pastors. And these days church is only money. And these days they just want an excuse. You brought your lamb to the church. Hey! Hey! So you took all this money and you brought it to church. Hey! As if it's an abomination. And then you feel stupid. Don't join them. They have a heart. Not for God, but for their own last. Those same people, you see them wasting money somewhere else. Because they don't care about the things of God. Believers, let's be careful. Let's be careful. Let's wise up. The believer's perspective of money, wealth, and giving. Number one. All we have, God owns. All we have, God owns. That's how the believer thinks. That, that's how the believer processes. The point is, the believer says, even my life does not belong to me. I don't own my life. How can I own the things that my life produces? I don't own my life. Everything we possess actually belongs to God. Everything. Everybody say everything. everything. Oh, please say like you may say everything. 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 Number two, our wealth and possessions should be used, therefore, for whose purposes? God's purposes. Listen to me. If you use anything that does not fit into the kingdom curriculum, it's a waste. 
It doesn't come with an eternal reward. So your, your, listen to me very carefully. You're actually, the way you talk about money management is very different in the kingdom perspective. <laughs> in the kingdom perspective, when you use your money for things that, that does not lift up Christ, you are wasting money. So when your company takes so much money, billions, and they do company party, and they don't see that as a waste, you see that? But you bring that money for the kingdom business and they say you are wasting money. Because money management perspective for, for the both are different. Very different. Very, very different. Wealth, number three, is like dynamite with great potential for both good and harm. You can use dynamite to explode a query and get query dust and get wonderful stones to build. You can get so much out of it. You can also use that same dynamite to explode a whole city and kill everybody. It is what you use the dynamite for. Money is not evil. Money is not bad. It is what the believer uses money for that makes it good or Praise God. Number four. Worldly wealth is fleeting. Heavenly treasure is eternal. I've told you already that we only do transfer. Everything we work for here we can't take it there. It doesn't, how, it doesn't matter how much. Put the whole world's resources together. We can't take it where we are going. Anybody, if you are going, you leave it. You can be called the world's richest man or woman. The moment you die, you don't go with anything. So, how do you do this transfer? The law is this. That when you invest into the kingdom, it yields. When you get there. So you either spend it on yourself. Spend it on lust and stuff. And it ends with you here. Hoard it all you can. 
and he ends with you here. But if you want to do a transfer, invest in the kingdom. And as you invest in the kingdom with your money, you go and meet the transfer there. This is the soul your money brought. This is the life your money saved. Ah, this is the transfers. These are the transfers. Look at the transfers. They begin to line them up. And you see the reward of your dividend. If I were you, I'll be wise enough. When I see ministers of the gospel, I've done that before. Using secular wealthy people as an example, I laugh. I laugh because we don't have enough insight. Praise God. Five, giving generously to the kingdom work is our obligation of honor and gratitude. And giving to the poor is our moral duty in the falling world. Oh, praise God. Giving generously to the kingdom work is our what? Obligation of what? Honor and yes, we're showing gratitude to God for the death Resurrection of Jesus Christ. Are you understanding me? For saving our souls. That's how much we can honor. And show gratitude. What more can we do? Oh. He's done so much. I cannot tell it all. So you're singing all of that. When you have to give, the Holy Spirit tells you, go and give this. Satan, get away. Begin to line up the budgets of all the things you have to do. Six, giving should be voluntary, generous, even sacrificial, cheerful, and needs-based. It must be voluntary, Generous, when even sacrificial. You must give cheerfully, and it must be need word based. It must be need word based because God does not waste. It must be a need based giving. Last but not the least, giving generously breaks the power of money over us. Ah, when a believer does not give generously, it means they have become slaves to money. <laughs> yeah. And what to you when money directs you? What to you when money is your master? It will lead you to self-destruct. I tell the students every time. I'll come to that. Because for most of us, right from the inception of life, our minds have been twisted. 
so twisted. And if you ask a young man, what is your objective? What's your goal in life? And they start putting it down. I'm sure that the parents will clap. Wow. He wants to be a new neurologist. Yeah, yeah. You know, she. Wow, my, my child has vision. Hmm. You know, begin to mention that. She, yeah. And then, so when you become a neuro, neuro, neurologist, what would you? Then they would begin, yes. I mean, I have my own hospital, and I mean, I'll become the best surgeon in the whole world. Mm, I'll go to Miami, you know, I have my cars, and they'll begin to, the Bentleys, and then, and then. I'll go to Daytona Beach. Hey. Said, my son has a dream. Bah. Yeah. Said, yeah. You're dreaming big. You're dreaming big. Okay. There are three categories of believers. Number one. A spender. A spender, represented by most people, is someone who pursues the greatest possible present consumption. <laughs> Even if mindful of the need to save some. The spender, bene bale nakeyale. I just spoke tongues to some of you. For the spender, how it comes is exactly how it goes. He just spends. Spender. The moment he gets money, it's like ice water. Even ice water, he will drink it if seven bottles. I mean, always wants to just. Oh, my favorite meal is a long time too. Bring me some. <laughs> Spender. Number two, a saver. You know by now that this they are contrast, is that right? That's a contrast. They strive to limit consumption to a large extent, focusing instead on increased wealth accumulation. Yeah. That's what Jesus told the guy. What we, the guy we call the rich fool. He was hoarding and hoarding and hoarding and hoarding and hoarding until his bands were full. And he said, hey, what do I do? He said, I will extend it. Extend it. Break the bands. Extend it so that I can hold them all. It's a saver. Hey. Some of them, hey, if they have to spend a dime, 
you have to give them a detailed, scrutinized budget. I know how some of you ladies suffer from certain men. If you have to go to the market. Hey. Oh my God. <laughs> there are certain people you have to take money from them. Hey. Save it. Save it. Say what I'm saving. The next category. A servant. A servant. All of us should be here. Who are the servants? Possessing the rarest mindset of all. They orient their lives around limiting both consumption and wealth building. Focusing instead on giving the most money they can toward being a blessing to the kingdom and to people. They are selfless people. They become the servant of God and the servants of humanity. They understand what life is. That life is not living for self, but life is living for others. Listen to me very carefully. Even the shirt you went to buy, somebody made it. Even the shoe you went to buy, somebody made it. Somebody had to do it for you to even buy it. That is why life is lived for others. You know, there comes a time when you realize that your money cannot save you. You just need somebody. Certain people have this perspective that they can buy everything with money. Listen to me very carefully. This is what God called you to be. This is the life. Do you know that most of us, right from the inception, we have been taught to live like the first two? You are either a spender or a saver. So for those who are born by parents who like spending, my son, enjoy life. Oh. <laughs> Don't kill yourself. Life is lived once. When you live it, they will chop it. So chop your team before you die.
<laughs> ah, am I speaking? Hey. And those who came from a home where they believe in for them, future security. Save. Listen, save. Not save. I've told you, not save. So they see Piram, they save. They see men's gold, they save. <laughs> Very soon they will know that there's no security in money. No matter how much you save. Jesus. Listen, when we understand to live life in the kingdom perspective, that's when you know what true security is. Let me show you something. All of these inclinations are geared towards one thing. God is a tool to become successful. So that's what our parents teach us. So our motivation for life and our focus and objective for life is not God. Our objective for life is actually what we want to do and achieve. But we need God to do it. So the the architecture, the naval officer he wants to become is the objective, is the goal, and God is the tool. So that dream becomes his goal. He just needs a tool. It's like somebody who is going to Canada. He needs to do a transit at Heathrow. So all he's looking at is Canada. Heathrow is just a transit. So the moment they get to where they are going, they leave the tool. Because that is not their motivation. It is only a tool. It's only a tool. So for most Christians, they are not used by God. They are using God. I have a vision. So that's why they are wealth takes them away from God. That's why it's difficult for Christians to give to God because God is not their motivation. What they want to achieve is their motivation. So the moment they get it, they are drifted away from God. But when God becomes your motivation, 
Whatever you have is a tool. So that is what you rather use to work the God's agenda. Because God becomes your motivation. If you understand this, and that is, that is what you truly want to live, giving will not be difficult. That's why when you are pursuing the music and you have to take money out of that to give to God, it's difficult. Because the music is your goal, it's not God. That's why it is family. And when you have to take money from the family budget to give to God, it becomes difficult because having that kind of a family is your goal. Men and women have become users of God. And it's not your fault because that's what all of us were taught. I've told them that the Sunday school curriculum is changed. Otherwise, our children will struggle like we are struggling right now. Because all the teachers, that's why you pray the time you pray. It's only when you're about to go and write exams that you pray because you're using God. Oh, that's why when you only enter into problems, that is where you pray. Because you are using God. You're using God. We have become God users. The question is, is God using you? Or you are just using God? Somebody told me, said, Pastor, these messages you preach, they don't bring the crowd. I said, well, I knew before I started. But if that gives me a better reward, I am doing my transfer well. <laughs> Listen to me very carefully. You can see a crowd and what they are doing is concert, not church. And I've passed that stage. Because even Shatawale can gather that kind of crowd and entertain them better. If that is what God called us for, then we have failed. Give me the last. It's just like a marriage couple. One partner sees the marriage as a two. <laughs> so their goal is not the marriage. Their partner becomes a two. So you see, the more things they get in the marriage, the farther away they go from the marriage. 
They won't use their things to be a blessing to the marriage. Spend this. Maximize value today. Spend this view financial resources as a way to enjoy every part of the high life that money can buy. They see a watch. It's beautiful. So far as he has the money to buy it, he will buy it. Let them see something that, oh, there's a need in the kingdom and you have to do it. Hey, I, I have a budget. My budget is for this watch. Oh. Enjoy the, every part of the high life. Somebody is dying. They need oxygen. It's just 20,000 Ghana cities. They, they want to buy this lettuce and the person is dying. They don't care. Obiabeu. Oh, everybody will die. Why? They don't care. Spend this. Savers. They seek to maximize value in the future. They have a more complex view of money. Viewing it mostly as a tool for security, stability, flexibility. In other words, they want to be comfortable. And personal freedom. <sighs> Can buy everybody. They don't know that money bought them. Servants. They maximize value in eternity. They view their money as a potential blessing to the world in Christ's name. Desiring to make the most of its potential for kingdom impact. Servants. As a matter of fact, they are serving God and money is their servant. Money is their servant. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 to 10. Let's all read it. Go. Those who are taught the word of God should help their teachers by what? Paying them. And then he says what? Don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. This is not the law of karma. So please, if you are reading this, it's the law of karma. God wants to curse you. No. No. No, that's not it. Look at what follows. You understand. It's so clear. Go. A man will always report just the kind of crop he sows. And so he will tell you, as a matter of fact, 
what the process is like. Look. Next. Go. If he sows to what? To please his own what? Wrong desires. He will be planting what? Seeds of what? Evil. And he will what? Surely reap a harvest of what? You see? It's a natural process. If your wealth leads you to spend on self, it will lead to spiritual decay. It will move you away from God. Oh, are you here? Yes. Because the more you feed the self, the more you are moved away from God. Your mind will always be on what? Self. Simple. And he says, but if he what? Plants what? The good things of the spirit. If he spends his money, his wealth on the good things of the spirit, on the things of the kingdom, and his mind is always on the kingdom, he will reap what? The everlasting life that the Holy Spirit gives him. He will grow spiritually. His conviction will be deepened every day. His faith will be developed. His faith, not the faith for car. When we talk about faith, anytime we talk, it's a common salvation. Your salvation will be established. Are you getting the point? You believing that Jesus is Lord will keep growing, growing, growing. Nobody can move you away. Are you getting the point? Continue. Go. So let us not get what? Tired what? Of doing what is what? Uh-huh. For after a while, we will reap a harvest of what? Blessing. If we don't get discouraged and... Oh, praise God. Oh, the word of God is so sweet. So real. So what the world always wants you to do is to spend on yourself. Because they know that will get you out of God. <laughs> do you know? Let me, I'm just give you a simple example. Do you know that sometimes even your shoe and how much you bought it hinders your worship? I'm giving you just a simple, very simple example. You can't even concentrate anymore. Ah, pastor is being too real, I'm sure. It, it, you are listening to the word, you can't listen to the word. The word. Because the watch is too expensive. So they preach more, you look at it. You, you're, you're not able. Yeah, because your concentration is more on what? Self. This 
These are the realities. You lose sight of eternal things. Last time when she ate you. That's why whenever we, whenever we can, we should always be what? Kind to everyone, and especially to... When I get to love, I will expound on this. I will expound on this. First Timothy 6, 7 to 10. And then 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. Look at what Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. To Timothy. It's a lesson to all of us. And I want all of us to read it together. I'm going to join you. So read it. Go. Do you want to be truly rich? You already are if you are happy and good. Wealth is not in the money you have. Wealth is in who you are in Christ. That's how rich you are. Yes, six. Six to eight. Okay, not six. Thank you. Do you want to be truly rich? You already are if you are happy and good. After all, we didn't bring. Oh, we didn't bring any money with us when we came to the world. Uh -huh. And we can't carry away a single penny when we die. So we should be well satisfied without money. If we have enough for food and clothing. Look at the 6, 17 to 18. Go. Tell those who are rich not to be proud. And not to trust in their money. Which will soon be gone. But their pride and trust should be in the living God who always richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. <laughs> Go. But people, uh-huh, who long to be rich soon begin to do all kinds of wrong things to get money. Wait, is that true? So you see what he's talking about. You see Galatians said it. That it will lead you to sin. It will lead you to spiritual decay. Listen, that is why the church has become the way it is now. Most of the testimonies we give 
are full of lies and filth. Where we get the money, we all know it's wrong. Come here. Come with me. Let's face the facts. Things that hurt them and make them what? Evil-minded and what? And finally send them to hell itself. For the love of money is the first step toward all kinds of sin. It was after this. So let's go. Let's read this one. Go. Some people have even turned away from God because of their love for it. And as a result, they have peered themselves with many sorrows. It shall not happen to you. 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 It was after this that he rather talked about tell the rich not to be what? Proud. Are you getting the point? Yes. He said, tell those who are rich not to be proud. For what you have, have told you before, tell the rich not to be proud. So they should use their money to do good. They should put their pride and their trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. I pray that this will become the defining factor in our lives. I want you to listen to this over and over and over and over and over again until you become this. All of us should sit down and then calculate and see how much you spend on yourself and how much you spend on God. It will tell you where your heart is. Grace, glorious grace, 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 at the cross you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth. Come